Um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, make the goddamn make it, make it, make a turkey noise in order of Thanksgiving. Okay, okay, okay. Keep that noise in. Let's, uh, alright. And then he's recording. And we're gonna start again. Here we go. God help us all. It's another episode of Winging It in Motown Radio, the Thanksgiving edition. I'm your host, Kyle, and uh, tonight we've got Mike, JJ, and Graham, and we're here to talk and be jolly um, because it's the holidays, and that's what we do during the holidays. Gentlemen, how are we on this fine evening with no Red Wings hockey? It is the greatest night ever. There it is. We missed it. We yeah, missed it last guys. week. We really did. It was a good episode, too. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, Graham? Thank you. Uh, looking forward to some uh, turkey in a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. That's going to be nice. The yeah. benefit of being yeah, you uh, cheater. a Canadian America is I get the benefit of, um, of... I was talking to a guy at work today, and I said, you know what? Americans do Thanksgiving the right way with the Thursday, Friday. If they could just figure out to put it in early October when the weather is a little better, it would be the perfect holiday. I think it's perfect where it is. So, well, that's wrong, but that's fine. No, no, we don't need we don't need your input to be honest. But, anyways, um, Mikey, what about you? How you doing? <laughs> uh, I've had a long two day week, and I'm looking forward to two days of Thanksgiving. I get one with my. Uh, future wife's family and i get one with my family this year so nice very good i I, i'm gonna gain 20 pounds (laughs) and as you should um i uh i'm doing okay i have to are are you sure about that you don't i I have to i have to work every day including thanksgiving until like next to until tuesday um because uh in the broadcasting industry news never sleeps so uh that's just what i'm doing right now but uh other than that um, outside of the Red Wings stuff, uh, doing pretty well. Um, went to the game on Sunday. Uh, it was fun for a little bit. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> th- yes, thank you very much. Courtesy of Mike, Mikey Likey Hockey. Um, anyways, we could just dive right into everything. Um, the Red Wings, uh, as JJ so eloquently put it, we're just going to pile everything into one big old casserole and bake it at 350 until it's uh, uniform temperature. Um so we're on a four-game losing streak skid right now. Um, the Red Wings are currently, if you don't factor in anything, they are bottom of the division. Uh, they are fighting in the basement with Buffalo, who we play next. Um, Buffalo just beat Calgary <laughs> the last game. So at this point, I know that I'm personally, uh, I don't chalk up any game as a win. Um, I'm going into this game against Buffalo, probably assuming that they're probably not going to win. Because the team just isn't playing like a, a winning team right now. I don't care who they're playing. Um, that's just me. Um, I don't know. Is there, I mean, let's just go right off the bat here. Like, is, is is there any way they can climb out of this? Or is this just what we're going to get this season? Uh, I'm going to open up the lines and let you guys just start yelling all at the same time. This town needs an 
I was thinking somebody else would join me there. Um, no, they can climb you out. You can be <laughs> They're a... We knew they were going to be, like, at very best, maybe able to compete late for the division, but more likely a bubble team. Uh, I don't think anything has necessarily changed there. They've been really shitty lately, and they've been, like, in a slump. But, like, even good Red Wings teams aren't slump immune. Um, it just looks way worse because they are a fundamentally flawed team, and so you have no idea. Uh, when they're going to pull out of it and and get hot again, all of the underlying numbers uh, are a little bit more dour about talking. You know, maybe because they're like the third worst in score and venue adjusted Corsi four at five on five, and their uh, power play isn't exactly bailing them out of that crap either. Uh, they're still getting goaltending that probably isn't going to be able to pl- keep playing at the level like uh, things have got to change that they will i mean that's just the way the nature of the season uh, a quarter of the way in i think that they're not as bad as their record indicates but i don't think that they're that much better than it so um you know atlantic basement team i don't think so it's not <clears throat> impossible or anything i'm not scoffing at it at this point but uh no they'll you know grace guys are gonna clear up not a happy face. Thank you. Mike, what about you? Uh, it's complicated. Man. <laughs> like JJ said, I mean, it's it's not as bad as you think it is right now with the standings and everything. But I, I don't feel like what they're doing right now is that far off of what this dream, team's true colors are, unfortunately. And it's it hurts, man. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy pill to swallow. Um, that's that's for sure. No. They're just not playing good. They're not playing inspiring hockey right now. Um, no, they're I, not. And and yeah, <laughs> I I will say that I am extremely thankful for the play of Anthony Mantha because he has really given me like. Like, I know that I can go into the game and watch him, and I know that he's going to be fun to watch. Like, that goal that he yeah. had against uh, against the Flames, that was magnificent stuff. Like, that was good stuff that I want more of. Like, that's the, that's uh, that's that shit I love. Um, so, that's one thing. I mean, there's my positive, basically. You get to see that. Um, uh, but, yeah, everything else just right now. It's just currently. It's just a current. It's just not. Yeah. It's a mess. And hopefully, you know, it'll, uh, you know. It'll 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 iron out, and uh, they'll go from being one of the bottom five teams in the league to uh, I don't know maybe just like an average team. <laughs> that would be nice, um, but who knows? Graham, you're up next. Um, I don't know. I mean, they. I don't think during their win streak they 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 were as good as what their their record reflected, and I don't think they're as bad necessarily as what their record reflects now. It's the problem is is that. And this is something that's been true for a couple of years now. It's not even like it's uh, just true this year. I think it's just more true this year is that they can't afford to make the the obvious glaring mistakes um, because they're not good enough to overcome them. And mm-hmm. you know, in years past, they they maybe were talented enough to 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 get past those a little bit. This year, they're just they're not at all. Um, you know, if they do something wrong or if they have a line that is not playing up to their capabilities um, or the defense has a particularly bad night or a goalie has a bad, like if any one thing goes wrong, they're in a lot of trouble this year. And that's what you're seeing is uh, I thought the Calgary game was kind of like that is that they just, 
I mean, they had their one line that kind of feasted on 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 Calgary's line, had a lot of chances, but you know, the the defense just they just didn't look very good. And you know, and and I think that's the biggest thing is that um, the talent level is so mediocre across the entire team when you just kind of look at the top and the bottom ends, and mm-hmm. they just they're not they're not just good enough to overcome that. Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it, I mean, obviously the Red Wings are changing a lot because you lost Pavel Datsuk, and I, I mean, it's Pavel Datsuk, so whatever. Um, I think it's also a lot of the rest of the league, I think, is getting better or moving in a different direction. Um, not to say that teams like Calgary are getting better or Vancouver are getting better uh, or Arizona. Um, but definitely a lot of teams in this division have gotten, made some strides over the past couple of uh, seasons aside from Ottawa, who just, I don't even know what the hell they're doing. Um, you look around and like you said, it's, they have to be on all cylinders in order to be successful. It's not like a night where you can have an off someone not do their job or something, not do their job. Uh, and then just come out like the only way that happens is if you have just spectacular goaltending, like we saw with uh, back at the beginning of the season with Jimmy Howard when we stole that game from uh, the Rangers. Um, I think that if you, I mean, if you score three goals in this league, you should expect to win a game. I, I think if you score three goals, you should expect like if we were if I was going into that Calgary game and you told me the Red Wings are going to score three goals, I'd probably be like, oh, all right, we're probably going to win the game then, but. No, because you you literally didn't have everything playing up to par. So you can't have one thing slip. It's like a, a good uh, comparison would be it's like a motor or an engine, a car engine. One thing goes wrong, uh, something else will go wrong, and then a whole bunch of other shit will go wrong. And then uh, before you know it, you are on the side of the road and... You know, you're calling a tow truck, and uh, you ask the tow truck not just to tow your car, but just to hit you. So, um, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> and I'm just venting right now, so don't let me derail this right now. Um, but they have a good chance here to go up against uh, Buffalo, who is obviously at the bottom of the division along with them. Um, and, a, 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 you know, a Buffalo team that is missing Jack Eichel. Um, a Buffalo team that doesn't have... Um, spectacular lineup. Um, so they could really go out there and uh, hopefully, God, hopefully just get one of those confidence building blowout wins. Um, you know, but that, that, I think that would I be honestly think there's a real good chance of that too. Especially so. with uh, Blaschel is, is looking to use uh, Larkin between uh, Nyquist and Vanek. Uh, and Vanek as essentially like the new. Darren Helm, like on the third line, I'm really excited for that line. Because um, speaking like st- strategically, like a lot of the things the Red Wings have just gotten like away from a lot of the things that they had been doing right, and I, I think that's the most frustrating part. Is like there were real flashes of it. Like I, I remember I was watching the Canadian feed because that was on uh, NHL Network for the Calgary game, and they pointed out that they were running a left wing lock system where Mantha had picked off a clearing attempt at center and immediately uh, mm-hmm. flew back into the into the zone. Uh, they got numbers and speed going forward. And that's just some of the stuff we haven't seen as well. Like, they haven't been turning the puck over at the blue line or in the neutral zone as much because they kind of get lost in the, the board battle shuffle 
where they're really trying and they're getting outnumbered because you're kind of supposed to get outnumbered when you're battling on the boards and in the low in the low corner um but their third forward or the the d-man who's supposed to be covering like the pinches just aren't well timed or they're just kind of getting lost like staying down there for a little bit longer than is necessary and i think what one of the problems is they've forgotten that it's not necessarily that you absolutely have to keep them inside their blue line but as long as you can get the back pressure before they get moving in the neutral, in the neutral zone you can turn pucks over there and get right back into their zone with speed and set up a more useful cycle than the we're committing three forwards way way too deep in order to turn pucks over that we're just going to end up cycling around for another um you know for another five feet before it turns back over and, and they're coming speed the other way uh their wingers are not anticipating zone clears as much because the defense has been turning it over a lot more and so i remember specifically there was a time where the red wings were down and nyquist was covering the point and he was doing it uh, but uh, he forced the guy to to dump it kind of weakly down the boards where it's obvious that a Red Wings player was going to get to it first. And he stood there for a good two seconds. I'm like, get the fuck up ice, man. Mm. Cherry pick a little bit. So it's just like all those little things that they just kind of like forget or they're just not doing it at the right time. Um, sadly, that's at this point in the losing streak and in, in like the last 10 game streak, that's an attention to detail thing that I think has to fall on coaching. Yeah, and uh, speaking of coaching uh, in that Calgary game, uh, just real quick, we can touch on it. Um, late in the game, you uh, got to delay a game penalty, and uh, was it to- delay a game or too many men? Delay a game. Delay a game, game, okay. Um, yep. I had had a few beers by the time that happened. Um, <laughs> there was a, uh, uh, you know, obviously you have to pick a man to serve the penalty, and Jeff Flashill picked Anthony Mantha. And for the life of me, there, I don't know why he picked him, and I don't think he anybody asked why he picked him. Did they? I didn't see it if they did. That's a serious issue. Like not only with the media, because that's a question that absolutely one hundred percent, like first question needs to be. Like if I was in the media, if I was in that locker room, that's the first question coming out of my mouth is why did you put one of your you know your hottest forwards in the penalty box when you're down a goal? Um, and then you know take it off. Uh, that's a that's bad coaching. That's like like pants on head level coaching right there. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, I try and defend Blashill, but if he does shit like that, I can't. I can't defend that stuff. That's indefensible stuff. Um, you know, and I'm not freaking out about it, but it's one of those things where it's like we can't afford to make those kinds of mistakes with the yeah. team that we have. It, that that you can't do it. So I don't know. Yeah, just another plus it. It's on the. It was on the back of a bad decision in the first place. They had, I think it was two thirty-four left on the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an icing face-off in the Calgary zone, down by a goal. That is the perfect time to pull your netminder. They should have had Howard already off the ice. It was the follow-on to that play where Cronwall misplayed it at the blue line. Howard had to come out and. Uh, ended up accidentally playing it over the the boards, and you know it was, it was a mistake by Howard. But it's like you don't want to, you can't put your goalie in the situation where he's got to win a race to the puck just inside his own blue line, right? Um, with an extra skater on the ice, you have to think that the play probably goes differently. And you never know; they might have given up an empty netter, and it would have been even worse than what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. But at the opportunity where you've got to leverage an advantage because you were trying 
drastically to catch up. That's a place where, you know, game theory says you got to pull your goalie. Uh, he should have already been off. And then, yeah, you had to pull, you had to put somebody in the box that was on the ice. So it was Nyquist, Zetterberg, Manta, Sproul, and Cronwall. Um, we did kind of talk over this in, in the immediate post game that I personally think it should have been Cronwall because it was his goof up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, with Marchenko having missed the, the game or having been knocked out of the game with that upper body injury that's going to keep him out for another week at least, um, that would be committing yourself to only having four defensemen for the last minute 47 of the game. Uh, honestly, that's like two shifts on the PK. So. I think you go ahead and put Cronwall, and then there's, but the problem is that brings up the, the concern about like, does Blashill have the guts to put Nicholas Cronwall or Henrik Zetterberg in the box to serve that penalty? Um, you know, I, I'd like, I'd say that most coaches probably wouldn't put their own captain in the box for that. Right. But as far as the way the game was going, that's a real opportunity to send a message. And like, I don't care who the hell you are. Uh, Manta has played better than you, Zetterberg. He's the one who's, uh, who's going to be out there while, while we're trying to catch up. Right. And, uh, that seems like one of those like Daryl Sutter kind of moves. Like what, when he, like what, you know, when he was just basically taking a dump on, uh, Dustin Brown like this just seems like something that that would have happened but no you're right and you know what I think you know what's funny about it and we'll move on after this um uh I think if that he put Henrik Zetterberg or Nicholas Cronwell in the box um over Anthony Mantha I bet you any money someone in the media would have asked why they chose him I said I want the truth you can't handle the truth I said I want the truth you can't handle the truth but you any- oh yeah yep. No way Helene wouldn't have held back on that. Oh, God, no. That would, jeez. Uh, They'd be chomping at the bit to ask that question. Anyways, uh, change in the NHL's all-star voting. I admittedly don't know much about this because I don't care, and I didn't care to really read up on it. But I know that it is a hot topic right now that the NHL is um, implementing the John Scott rule, which would essentially uh, bar... Um, the uh, NHL All-Star game from uh, this thing that we like to call fun. Um, Because uh, I don't know, I get why they're doing it, because stars and, you know, you want to face the game. But honestly, last year's All-Star game was the most fun I've ever had watching an All-Star game, and I don't think it's ever going to happen again. Um, So that's where I stand. So the NHL kind of looks like a bunch of dicks to me. Um, Because really... Like, we all went into the All-Star game last year. It was a big joke, but it actually ended up being a really cool story and uh, a real, like, a lot of heartfelt moments came out of that, and I really enjoyed it. But I don't know, man. The NHL pulling their cell, pulling a little NFL uh, no-fun league thing there. Um, JJ, I know that you had a lot of, you had some thoughts on that. So I think maybe you're probably the best one to kick that off. Um, so just go ahead and talk about that, because I honestly... I didn't really subscribe to what was going on because I, it's the All Star Game. I'll I'll read up about it maybe like two days before. Yeah, I did write that post that essentially they are going to have a, a John Scott rule, and it's probably a good thing um, because the 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 John Scott thing was once in a year, and the more you try to make the magic happen, the worse yeah. it, it gets. Um, but still, I mean, that doesn't stop me from actually wanting to try to recreate the magic because. Knowing it's going to fail, I don't care. It's not that big a deal. At any rate, the the rules for the um, 
like uh, the legitimate NHL or whatever the, the term it was. Um, eligible players must be on an NHL club's active roster as of November 1st. Any player not on the active roster on that date due to injury or special circumstances can be added. Uh, if a player is assigned to the AHL or any other minor league team uh, between November 1st and January 26th, he's not eligible. Uh, however, it's for a conditioning loan. He is eligible, and in the event of a vote leader is disqualified due to, and this is the funny part, due to a minor league assignment or loan, parentheses, or other reason, after close of the NHL All-Star fan vote, uh, the player with the second most votes will be named the captain. So basically, or other reason leaves them the, we can basically choose whatever reason we want. Um, but essentially, John Scott would not have been able to um, to win the vote like he did last year because he was assigned to the AHL after he won the voting. So that would have that would have DQ'd him. But it leaves a lot of like question. Every team's got a questionable player of, of the guy who shouldn't right. be on there. Uh, obviously, Detroit has like one of the most John Scottish players <laughs> in the league in Steve Ott, the 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 goon with a heart of gold, as you will. So I, I think that they, that they ought to do that. If nothing else, you know that the league tried to get, like, tried to screw with things to make sure that John Scott wouldn't win. Uh, it wouldn't be that hard for the league to put pressure on Ken Holland to say, why don't you put Steve Ott in the AHL so he can't be an all-star. Uh, so that's why I'm going for, for Steve Ott. <laughs> and that's, I mean, if that's possible, then yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> what about you guys? You guys got any thoughts on this? <coughs> um, I mean... Yeah, I think the John Scott thing, it was lightning in a bottle. It's You're not going to recreate that. Yeah. If you try to do it on purpose, it's going to be stupid and suck. Um, I know fans want, I mean, really, who who would the the person be? I, there isn't one, even if you wanted to do it and thought you could recreate it. Uh, I don't think there is a guy out there right now that um, would kind of fit the bill that Scott did last year with, uh, you know, kind of embracing it and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I... I I personally don't have a problem with it because there's there is an AHL All Star game, and I'm kind of like you, Kyle. Quite honestly, I don't I don't care that much about the All Star right. game. I don't. It, I'm not the target audience here. And if a guy is kick ass in the AHL and he's not in the NHL, he can play in the AHL All Star game. Or better yet, get a week off. That's what I want. Um, yeah. You know, I, I the game itself is pointless. Uh, personally, I I tune in for the skills competition because I think that's the most fun out of all of it, because you Definitely. get the players to just go out there and do showcase what they can do, um, and, and they obviously have a lot of fun with that. So eh, the rule itself is fine. I mean, they just I don't think it's necessarily the NHL trying to be a no-fun type of league. I think they just want to make sure that guys that are actually playing in the NHL are going to be eligible for the game. Well, I just think it's funny. I call it a no fun thing because they do it the year after that it happens. And I saw the all-star game actually be really successful, you know? And like I said, I agree. If they tried to replicate that, what happened last year, it would just get watered down and it would just be lame and it would be that. And so, um, but I, I just see it as kind of like a, I don't know. I see the all-star game, nothing more as a front to sell jerseys. That's all I see it as. Um, and obviously grow the game, but, you know, I mean, whatever. It, it is what it is. I don't think the – and I am I could be completely ignorant here, but I don't find myself believing that a person who doesn't really watch hockey will see it on t- on his TV, his or her TV guide and go, oh, cool, I'm going to go ahead and watch this because I've never watched this sport 
before, and I'm going to go watch an all-star game because I wouldn't do that with another sport. Now, that's just me. I could be completely ignorant. Maybe there are I'll tell you this. I watch the NBA dunk competition every year, and I don't watch a single NBA regular season <laughs> game ever. <laughs> yeah, but dunking dunk is different. <laughs> honestly, I mean, the NHL tries to do it uh, with the uh, the breakaway challenge or whatever, um, and uh, they have done a, a decent job of doing more, like showing the personalities in that. They're trying, like, they're trying to make that their dunk contest. Um, but yeah, that's that's one thing. I don't care about the NBA at all. I love uh, the NBA All Star skills stuff. I don't care about the All Star game either. Like. like they should like make the, a skills competition two days. It's like screw the game. Who cares? Yeah, it's like the it's like the home run derby in baseball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you people just watch a guy hit I tune into the home run derby every year. I want to I want to see guys hit home runs. That's awesome. Um, it, that that's the best part. This, I agree with the dunk competition. It's the same thing. I don't care. I will not watch the actual game. I don't care because that's not. I mean, anybody who does tune in, if you, if they're trying to entice casual fans in. And they're using the All Star Game. It's that the, the All Star Game, no matter what format that they've used, has never been mm-hmm. like, real hockey. I use that in quotations. I mean, that's not. It's not a good example of what the 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 typical hockey game is. So if a fan tunes into the All Star Game and sees all the scoring and all that kind of stuff, and then they think, "Wow, this is hockey's amazing! It's I can't wait to watch this every night." I mean, they are going to be crushed when they watch like right. Columbus and the Islanders in <laughs> mid-February, right? I mean, you know, that's sell it on the skills competition and get do what the what the NBA has actually done a good job of. Use the All Star Game and use the skills competition as a way to market the players. Get people invested in the players uh, because that will bring in casual fans when they actually care about these guys and want to see them succeed or want them to to not succeed. People still tune in to see people fail, and that's a thing. So they're trying right. to get I if they're trying to get eyes on the sport and they're trying to get butts and seats, you know, market the players, market the stars, um, but market the right ones. Just yeah. stop with certain players that uh, currently play for teams in cities I live in. Um, you know, get their heads out of your ass and figure out who the who to market and who's who's smart to market and who is not smart to market. Any last thoughts the villain on this? as well. Any, any last thoughts on this topic, Mike? You got anything? Uh, mostly just agreeing with uh, Graham and JJ. I mean, last year was such a lightning in a bottle situation, and um, like they both said, trying to recreate it would be stupid because it's it's not just that you were taking possibly the worst player from possibly the worst team with possibly the smallest fan base. You know, it, it was the fact that you took that guy and then he actually played well in the game. I mean, even if you did that sort of thing again, you've got no guarantee that, you, you know, Steve Ott or, I, I don't know, random fourth liner out of Arizona um, or whoever Luongo's got treading water on the fourth line in front of him in, in Florida, you've got no guarantee that those guys are going to show up and actually, like, score goals um, and play defense and all that kind of stuff in an all-star game. So, I mean, from that standpoint, the league might be doing the smart thing and pinning themselves as um, the villain to be fighting against by by the fans. I mean, I mean, it's not going to be the casual fans, but at least you get some fan interaction and passion about the game some way. Because I mean, past years, like Graham said, it's it's not real hockey. 
you know, you have scores that are 17, 15, you know, it's, it's, it's not the main product. So you're not attracting in new fans. You're not getting current fans to tune in because it's some bastardized abomination of, of the game they love. You got to do something to, to mix it up in there and, and maybe casting themselves as the villain with, you know, okay, none of these guys that don't belong here anymore, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, is the way to do it. Yeah, I will so say, I think the three-on-three uh, tournament was was better as far as the way the actual game itself goes. But I think I'd like to see them, uh, two changes. First, for fastest skater at least, actually bring in the league-wide fastest skater. Some guy may not be all-stars. Yeah. Uh, you know, is not going to be an all-star, but everybody wants to see him in a fastest skater competition. There might be uh, one this year that is actually the fastest skater, and Michael Grabner, might ma- he might make it. Oh, the, the, please do. Um, and then I think that they should also add, I don't know exactly how to do it, but like a game of horse somehow. Just like two players challenging each other to do ridiculous, increasingly ridiculous things. Um, okay. Yeah. Like the old uh, like the old McDonald's commercials, like off the boards, off the jumbotron, off the... Yeah, okay. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah. off the announcer's head, off the crossbar and in. Yeah, right off the pier's head. That'd be nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I think that'd be a much more interesting way to do it. Like, like you said, JJ, with drafting guys for the All Star game, that w- that would be just just kind of niche guys, you know, like Athanasiu for fastest skater, or you know, maybe you get somebody like Cronwall for hardest hit. You know, obviously not anymore, but you know, a couple of years ago, he would have been right in that wheelhouse. Uh, people you know, would you, fucking you come- people would fucking flip their lids if they did that, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, you don't you don't set up like one person to get mowed down. You set up a dummy, and you know, just like yeah, reading I, the I uh, the speed watching, gun, watching Cronwell jump into a tackling dummy would be fun to watch. It would be fun to watch, but I, I just, like after yeah, like one or two, after one or two players doing it, I'd be like, all right, let's uh, let's move on here. Um, just yeah, call like that the cheap shot competition. From... Just like have Brad Marchand <laughs> come in and just knee a dummy to death. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he goes in for the competition, but <laughs> only hits the dummy in the crotch. Anyways, you get a pair of truck nuts to put on it. <laughs> Give right, him a we're gonna move on from all star voting because uh, it seems like we could talk about this for hours. Um, we're gonna go about uh, observations from around the league, and I'm also you guys are accept- expecting a fastball. I'm gonna toss you a little bit of a change up here because there are two hot topics right now that really need to be covered. Uh, topics du jour. Um, numero uno uh, is Las Vegas. Uh, it was announced tonight, Tuesday night, uh, that they will have an NHL team. It is official uh, starting next year. We already knew that there was going to be a team there, but it's official now because they have a name. It's the Golden Knights. It's not the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It's the Vegas Golden Knights, or that's how they're branding it at least. Um, logo is pretty cool. It's just like a knight helmet with uh, like a a V and you know, whatever, but the name golden Knights, I don't like it. I think it's lame. Uh, but for whatever reason, they just went with that. I get why, because golden, the sun, the desert, um, the, you know, gold rich and, you know, you're in Las Vegas, whatever. Um, I mean, just real quick, we'll fire off a couple of, uh, uh, you know, like first quick takes here. Um, obviously the expansion drafts coming up. Do you guys expect this team to be, good uh, i expect them no. to be better than a traditional expansion team but not much 
Okay, yeah. I, personally, I yeah. think that they will be m- average, maybe. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Well, oh, I, absolutely no. not. So, no, uh, but they've got. I think they'll have a, a better shot at getting there closer, just because they'll probably be in the Pacific Division, which just is hot garbage. Sure. So they'll have yeah. a better opportunity to to get better just by virtue of mm-hmm. you know having two, two or three teams right around the same talent level as them right, right off I the think bat. If they, and you know what? I think if they were smart, they would take and when they go into the expansion draft, they should take um, like maybe pick three veteran players, decent veteran players that you can just have. And then draft young players in the expansion draft, or whatever young players are available. Um, I really do think they should do that. And then obviously you got the entry level draft or the entry draft, which will, uh, um, you know, they're probably going to get like a top five to top three. They will probably, honestly, I won't be surprised if they get number one. Uh, if they get dibs on Nolan Patrick or. Uh, well, I was going to say, didn't they? Wasn't there a provision that they cannot get number one next year? Was there? I thought that there was a provision that they could get a top. They they're going to get a top pick. I thought they could get a top pick, but they couldn't get one. I or they that they're anywhere from five to three. Their that chances of getting one were. Yeah, I, I, I maybe I'm maybe I forget, but but I I believe it. I mean that would be news to me, but I know that for the first year they definitely don't need to hit the cap floor. So uh, they, they don't need to hit like sixty percent of the cap floor. I think. Right. Which is uh, they will be inserted into the draft lottery with the same odds as the team finishing with a third fewest points. Right. So they can win. Number okay. One. There you go. Yeah. They could, but, but they but could get shot. first. They're just teams who are tanking, like Arizona, um, will still have the clear shot at it. So uh, hilariously, we are currently only one point up on having the third fewest points. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and who knows where we'll be in two weeks? Well, uh, totally the fewest points. The, well, Thursday, the, points. Thursday's the big day, right? According Probably to Ken Holland, American Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah, but that'll that'll quickly change. Uh, you know, it's a different league nowadays. Whatever. Um, yeah, ultimately, anyways, uh, team name uh, five out of ten. Team logo eight out of ten. Uh, I think it's stupid that OHL that the OHL got to keep them from being just the Knights. Uh, I don't care about the London Knights. Kiss my ass. You're in Ontario. Whatever. Um, Good uh, pun capabilities. Like if like if they take Bishop in the expansion draft and beat the Kings, like all the chess jokes will be so great. Like yeah, yeah, but they'll get old real quick. But Knights take take, you know the name the the. I love the logo. I don't like the sword logo. The sword logo. I love I think the logo. Is- no, I do uh, love the sword logo the because it is- looks like the the Welcome to Vegas yeah. star. I, I hate that though. It's so lame. Whatever. I'm right. You guys are wrong. No. Right, so, so JJ, I, the name five is- out of ten on the name. But what did you really expect from Vegas? I mean, the entire town is kind of chintzy and, gl- and glitzy and a, li- a little bit cheesy. I mean, were you really thinking they were going to knock Glamour Knights? You know, yeah, but are they going to? Okay, okay, but 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 to be fair, are they going to put a team on the North Pole and call them the the North Pole Santa Clauses? Like, I mean, it's it doesn't. Be the Santa. Oh yeah, honestly, the elves, elves, the Santas, the reindeer—they should do that. (laughs) It makes sense. Yetis, buddies. 
the, 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 the North Pole buddies, you know. Like you know, that's good too. Look, I gr- <laughs> you're talking to a guy who grew up in a city who opened up uh, the team name voting when the team got a when the city got a, an NBA franchise as a very popular movie came out, and that, that's why you have the Raptors as uh, a professional sports team. Wait, what? So, where are you from again? Are you? I'm from um, Camp Canada. Are you from Canada or? Uh, Another country. I'm from, I just yes. asked because you never. Bring and don't it let people vote. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. I was simply. It had nothing to do with Canada. That had everything to do with the the city voting for Raptors because Jurassic Park was very popular when we got a, an NBA team. That was the first. Yeah, were, the, were was Jurassic Park like the Steve Ott of naming the the Toronto basketball team? Or not Steve Ott, John Scott. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. It. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Oh uh, yeah. Right. You know, the worst part was is that uh, at the time, of course, the, the Toronto has the CN Tower, and it was like you could have been the Toronto Towers because the towers are tall, basketball players are tall, and they just they ruin it with stupid Raptors. I thought Ra- I think the Raptors yeah, yeah, right. Towers would have been pretty bad. Too. You know what? Raptors isn't so bad because they have that new logo, and I think it's especially really stupid, so. Especially after 9/11, the towers they would have to change their name. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, I think that Vegas ought to just own this shit, though. Like the the hotel that is like closest to them should like literally have a a room like a luxury suite called the Gold Den, and then you can like spend Golden Nights with the Golden Knights. Just make it as corny as you have, because it's it is Vegas, and it is supposed to be like stupid and Wayne Newtony and just. Elvis impersonators, like literally have B. Arthur come out and scrape the ice and she'll be one of the golden girls. <laughs> <laughs> you can say, you know, but, uh, B. Arthur's dead. The, white. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, they, kill me now. If they wanted to, they could, they could, they could go with it and start calling the puck like the golden nugget and just, you know, really tie it in as much as they yeah. need to. It's nowhere near the gold. Um, I actually went to a game there uh, six weeks ago. Uh, it was a preseason game. The arena's incredible. It's beautiful. Um, it's right next to uh, Monte Carlo and New York, New York. Um, it's basically connected to which is real, real cool. Um, it's literally right there on the strip. So, honestly, a perfect. Uh, if you're looking at, I think, it, is it? Uh, Interstate 15. It's right off there. Like you can see it from there. Um, but it's really cool. Um, and uh, I honestly think that it will do pretty well because of where it's at. I honestly think that that is was. It, it, a lot of people think that they're going to tank, but I think that this is probably the smartest expansion. Maybe Batman has taken a shot on because it's. I think that there are going to be a lot of people to go there. Not only just people in Vegas, but people who come to vegas uh, yeah just because, for like the fun of it i'd yeah. do that yeah because that's what i did when i was there on vacation i was like oh there's a hockey game yeah i'll go i don't care how much it is 30 bucks yeah. i'll go do they have slot machines on the concourse no i didn't see any um but to be fair i was in vegas on vacation do you think the 50 50 is going to do better or worse it will probably better. do better because you'll get like the older people who are like ah oh, yeah i'm in vegas i gotta spend a bunch of people yeah yeah, that three hundred dollars on the fifty-fifty raffle. But it is a beautiful facility, and I'm—I uh, think it's very cool, and I hope that it does well. Um, and I hope that they take uh, uh, Jonathan Erickson in the expansion draft. Um, moving on to the next topic du jour, um, 
And this one we can go real quick with because um, it's still Red Wings related. Uh, the Red Wings are going to have a new roommate uh, in the Little Caesars Arena. There's a lot of controversy surrounding it. Um, we're not going to dive into that. We're just going to do real quick. The Red Wings will share a facility with the Detroit Pistons. Um, it was announced today, Tuesday, that the Pistons would be um, moving from the Palace of Auburn Hills, which is about 35-ish minutes north of downtown Detroit, uh, into Little Caesars Arena with the Red Wings. Um, this obviously poses a lot of uh, big concerns, is that um, this automatically will make the ice a little bit more difficult to take care of uh, and to curate. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, and then there's also a lot of like elitist... Uh, people who just like, I don't want to share my arena with another team, whether it's a basketball uh, fan or a hockey fan. Um, I'm not one of those people. I don't give a shit. Um, I am just concerned about what's best for the community of Detroit, but that's because I live here. I would love the Pistons to come downtown. I would love for it to flourish. Uh, But if it means our ice turns into like, you know, icy pop and it just looks like shit every night and everybody's just falling um, like it's Barclays 2.0. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be cool with that. So that's one thing that definitely needs to be locked down. Um, and I don't think the Red Wings ice crew currently has ever managed a facility like this. So uh, there's going to be a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, and lots of whats, and all that stuff to go along with it. So that's my take on it. Love it, but I really am concerned about... Um, the ice is going to be like and i'm concerned about the financial stuff too but i am not going to dive into that and we shouldn't because it this is a huge can of worms um so you guys uh go off i'm gonna pick uh mike first because he also lives in the detroit area well based on the strength of the canadian dollar versus the u.s no i'm just kidding (laughs) um i i guess i'm one of those elitist bastards like we got spoiled for so long (laughs) well yeah but we got spoiled for so long with the Red Wings having their own home. Um, and just when you when you go to a hockey game, you just get immersed in the hockey experience. That's the only thing you have to look at. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm going to go with the term butthurt uh, about <laughs> having to share with the Pistons now. Because I've got no real rational reason for it. It's just, meh, I don't want to share. Um, just because, you know, I go to a hockey game, I don't, I don't want to be looking at pictures of... I don't even know who's on the Pistons. That's how closely I follow basketball. Um, but it, it's the same type deal. Like if I go to a Tigers game, I don't want to be looking at pictures of Matt Stafford up around Comerica Park, you know, for for um, the Lions. And I know they would never share arena space, but it's just the concept of it. You know, it's just looking at another sport that I literally care nothing about. So yeah. you are the prototypical please like my sport person, aren't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyways, um, JJ, you up next. Um, I'm like, re- I'm really interested in the financials, but I don't know en- enough about them to make a judgment. Like, I hope it works out. Like, I'm really curious to see like what specific because they're saying it's going to cost like thirty five million dollars to yeah. uh, essentially make the changes to the arena to make it like fit NBA standards. I don't know what that means. Uh, um, yeah, it uh, there's a elevator shaft, and obviously there is seating that needs to be changed because uh, seating is way different. And then um, 
there's a couple of other things. The locker room, there needs to be a basketball locker room, and then there needs to be a hockey locker room. There's, I believe it's separate. So those oh, are what sense. it's compensating for. So Yeah, because my understanding is that like, it is supposed to be like fully a – by the time that it's over with, it's going to be fully a home arena for both the Pistons and the Red Wings. Like, yes. Barclays was a basketball center that got hockey tacked onto it. Um, and so that's why Barclays is, is for better word, it's garbage for, for Mm -hmm. hockey. Uh, like apparently the, the pipes that they use for freezing the, the ice are PVC, which is like way below standard. Um, the sight lines are, are freaking stupid. Uh, it, it happened when, um, the coyotes moved in too. Like they were playing in the sun's arena and it was, it was shitty. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one is an arena that was built that was started from scratch for hockey. This was designed to be a hockey arena. I don't think the the basketball changes are going to take away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see the point about the, the the crappy ice, and that is like the biggest concern for me. Um, out of out of everything, what's going to happen with the play on you know down below? But I've been in. The United Center, and I've been in the, the Air Canada Center, and those are both uh, dual basketball slash hockey arenas, mm-hmm. and they seem to have decent ice. The The ice at the, at the Air Canada Center is really good. Um, same with Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But uh, like I said, I've never been there. But as far as like being at the United Center and being at, at the ACC, I've never... Like I've noticed, like there's been some bull stuff at the United Center, and you can see like there's some Raptor stuff um, up around the ACC, but like it's never gotten yeah. to me in terms of like not feeling the hockey atmosphere. So I don't know. Like I, until I get to the Little Caesars Arena, I can't tell you whether or not having like anything Pistons will kind of like take me out of the atmosphere or take me out of the mood or yeah. whatever. But mm-hmm. it's it's such a non-issue to me. Like I, I get there's a lot of valid concerns. Um, I don't particularly care about basketball. I think it is cool that Detroit is going to, I think somebody said Detroit's going to be the only city where all four major sports teams are actually within the city. Uh, and I, I do think that's cool. Like, it, they're going to be all very close to each other. And I think that's, that's going to be huge because one of the things I've said from the start in this arena project is I hope that the gamble that they're using public funds to kind of to try to kickstart downtown to try to rebuild uh, the tax base and try to make an area where people will actually want to live and move into Detroit I hope that pays off um, and there's a there's a chance it, it will and I think that the Pistons help improve that chance so cool yeah. I don't think it's going to affect me I, uh, I yeah I and uh, you know I'm a guy who was a Pistons fan uh, when I was younger uh, when they were really good and then I fell out of it because I became bigger Red Wings fan and the Pistons were bad um, so I think it's cool I think it's a uh, you know it is what it is the public funding uh, it's like the biggest scam in pro sports right now um, I just want to see it help the community as a whole. Um, and I, you know, I'll I'll dive into that later on when I I'll write an article about it because I I do have a lot of thoughts on it. I don't want to get into it now. Um, Graham, what about you? Do you have any like uh, you know, do you have any like like questions about this, or do you think it's are you on on are you okay with it? Are you do you hate it? Uh, 
Um, I, I think for a lot of people who, who live in the area, I think it's they're just so used to the idea. Mm-hmm. I think Mike spelled it out perfectly. You know, so many Wing fans are just used to the fact that the Red Wings have had their own arena for 30 years. Um, and, you know, it's kind of... Uh, I don't want to share. And you know what? I you wonder. I mean, you wonder if you talk to Pistons fans. I wonder how they feel about it. Maybe they feel kind of the same thing. Um, although the one thing I have from the reading I have done is uh, a lot of Pistons fans are actually happy that the, the Pistons are moving back into the city of Detroit, moving out of uh, Auburn Hills. Um, I mean, I grew up in Toronto, and you know there was Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was that was where the Leafs were. Now. It was a little bit different because Toronto didn't have any other winter indoor sports. They didn't have a basketball team when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't share it. But um, I get the idea that uh, you kind of want to have that that arena just for for the one team, you know, just for it to be theirs. Um, when the Raptors did start playing, they, they started playing. Um, they played some games at Maple Leaf Gardens and they played some at Skydome. Um, just because the Maple Leaf Gardens wasn't that big. Um, JJ, uh, JJ's right. I've, I've been to the United Center a number of times um, for hockey games. I've never been for a basketball game. Um, it, that was an arena that was built specifically to house a basketball and a hockey team. Um, that, that was its purpose right from the get-go. So I th- think the analogy between the United Center and the, and the new uh, Little Caesars Arena is probably going to be a good one in that they can design it with both teams and both sports in mind. Um, I'm the same as JJ. When I go to the United Center to watch a hockey game, I don't feel necessarily like I am in a basketball arena. There is some bull stuff around. Um, if you're really kind of looking for it, you will see it. Um, but you really you have to look for it and kind of find it in order for it to take you out of that that feeling of I'm at a hockey game. Hockey fans, hockey players. You see the ice, um, the, the the decorations, and, and kind of the the arena itself is all decked out for whatever team is playing. I would assume it's the same for when the Bulls are playing. Um, you know, the vendors outside are selling Blackhawks stuff. Um, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal, um, and I. Th- Think and I hope there's more of a hope. I guess uh, the whole what's what's Jeff always say? Hope's not a strategy. Yes. Um, that the technology um, that ex- exists will allow them to anticipate potential problems with the ice and and handle that. Um, because I, I agree with JJ. I've been the United Center. I don't, I've never really noticed a, a problem with the ice. Um, it's always seemed fine. I mean the Hawks. The Hawks they play a kind of an up tempo faster skilled game and their ice quality would actually like it, it would lend itself towards that sort of play you don't want bad ice if you're playing a a skilled game where you're working on puck possession and um you know transition and speed um and they've obviously been pretty successful over the last several years so um i mean the financial part of it is you know, it's it's a gamble. Um, I'm fully on board with the the idea of being uncomfortable with taxpayer dollars being used to fund it. But um, you know, from a from an actual functional standpoint, I, ultimately, I think a year or two in, I think everybody will just kind of get over it. 
Okay. Well said. Uh, and obviously, there will be a lot of information that will come out. This was just announced today. Uh, I should say yesterday now because it is uh, past midnight. Um, but, you know, there will be a lot that's going to come out. Obviously, this still has to go up against the city council. So, um, I mean, it's $35, $34.5 million. It'll probably get approved, but it still is not 100% uh, funded yet. So, we'll see what happens. And we'll Detroit. Yeah, and Detroit City Council is nothing if unpredictable. It is an absolute just circus. It is crazy. (laughs) Um, But anyways, hoping for the best there. Um, Other observations from around the the league right now. Um, And, you know, we can do this real quick because, I don't know, I haven't really been paying as much attention um, for whatever reason. All I know is that Patrick Laine is really good. Connor McDavid is really good. Um, Chris Russell, everybody just likes talking about him because of how bad he is. Um, and Austin Matthews hasn't scored a goal in like 13 games. So obviously they're ramping that up to be the next Phil Kessel. Um, so what about around the league, you guys? Uh, is there anything that stands out to you? Um, one big thing to me that stands out <laughs> is that I think the Montreal Canadiens are going to start dipping real hard soon. They lost to Ottawa. Yeah. I just want to remind people that uh, from what I am watching uh, on non-Red Wings game nights, uh, which is honestly less than it had been last year, just for various reasons, other teams make really bad, dumb mistakes too. The Red Wings are literally not the only team that looks... Like they just met and are on the <laughs> Yeah, no, the Islanders are terrible. They really are. There's Being the Ducks right now. Bad. The Ducks are terrible. Yeah, the Kings are terrible. I mean, they're getting better. Okay, right. stop it. Positivity Corner is next. We would save save some. Okay. <laughs> what about you guys? Any other observations from around the league? Um, I am, I'm weirdly okay with San Jose re-upping Brent Burns for eight years because I feel like that contract is just going to be so bad as it, as they move. I, I think two to three years into that contract, it's not going to be worth it. I have a feeling that he's going to be one of those freakish, like Yarmir Yager players though. That's just me though. I don't know. I just, as that kind of guy. I just don't. I, I don't know. Eight years for a guy who's 32. 31. 31. And he'll be 40 when it ends. Mm-hmm. How many 40-year-old defensemen are still playing at a high level? At a, at a, yeah. Not even a high level. A decent level. Well, I mean, you can at least laugh at the fact that when that contract is over, Shea Weber will still be ha- will still have two years left. It, you know what? It's it, 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 To me, it's a reminder that the Red Wings are not the only team that re-ups their players to contracts that are just too long. Yeah. They just yeah, do it to all their depth players, not to their stars. Yeah, it's basically industry standard now. Yeah. Yeah, if you remember back to the sour grapes that Red Wings fans were were chowing down on when Brent Burns was traded from Minnesota to San Jose and Mike Babcock was pissed off about that, them missing that, the, the saving grace there was like, why would we have spent so much on a guy who has such bad concussion issues. Um, Brent Burns still has that in his past. 
So mm-hmm. him being able to to hold up through forty, like I'm not rooting against the guy, and especially when it comes to concussions. But there's still a big risk there. Not for sure. Yeah, I like Brent Burns. I tolerate him. Like he's not bad. He's harmless. That's that's the thing. Like Brent Burns, like hey, I've got a big stupid beard. Like, it it annoys me. He's like, okay, we get it, idiot. It doesn't uh, annoy me as much as uh, Joe Thornton. Yeah. He's got that like kind of he, he's kind of like hockey Gronkowski though. Like he's interesting. No, he's, he's not. I I can't stand him. Stupid beard. <laughs> Mike, do you have any observations from around the league? Yeah, um, I want everybody to take a look at JT Miller of the New York Rangers because okay. this kid is having an outstanding start of the season. Um, Eighteen points through twenty games. Um, obviously for a very good Rangers team, um, which is going to help him out. But a little bit of hit the history on him. He was drafted 15th overall in 2011. So to everybody out there who's thinking Dylan Larkin is having a sophomore slump and, you know, in over his head and all that stuff, it took this kid, JT Miller, like three years and change or something to to have the kind of start that he's having with the Rangers. Um, so anybody who gets on Larkin's ass, just cool your jets for a minute because, you know, things happen at their own pace. Well, positivity, positivity corner was next, but thank you for that. I got other shit for positivity corner. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, there we go. We're going to go to positivity <laughs> corner next. Then this is where we talk about something positive in a world full of nothing, but negativity. <laughs> um, I'm going to go first because screw the rest of you. Um, <laughs> I think that Anthony, I am so proud of Anthony Mantha right now. Um, just what he is doing. Um, obviously, he's not he's not scoring, you know, like two goals a game, whatever. But no, he's playing well and he's holding himself well. And when I was at that game on Sunday, I just noticed like he just has that swagger to him. And he, God, he is huge. Um in real life, that's like, because I'm like, you know, like tall, like big guy, like whatever, shut up. God damn, boy, you're about as big as a mountain. Look like you might have played some football. And uh, <laughs> from, you know, ever since he got drafted um, and went down with that injury and in is going into his rookie year, and there was all that, uh, you know, BS that came out. Um, and then he had to, you know, reportedly had to go see, a, you know, a sports psychologist and all that. Um, and then basically just dealing with, just constant uh, scrutiny. Um, I'm really happy to see what he's doing this year, both in the AHL and the NHL. So go get him, Tony. I hope I hope that he stays here. I hope they don't trade him. I hope they protect him in the draft, and I hope we get to watch him here for many, many years. Who's next? JJ's next. I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that... Uh... Kyle, you do a very good job of, of hosting this podcast, so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, Red Wings related, I I feel that I'm not giving enough credit to how hard uh, Franz Nielsen is working for the Red Wings and how good he's playing on in both ends of the ice. Like he is, like I, I knew that he was uh, like not a slow guy, but he's he's still so like surprisingly fast. Like he's. I never noticed him out of position. Um, you know, he's doing a really good job, like dealing with the the line 
shuffling that's going on, and it's it's already got to be kind of hard for for a guy like just coming to the team, and then like having to deal with like locker room chemistry, and then also with with line juggling chemistry. But like I I really like Franz Nielsen. I do too. That's a good one. Um, Mike, you're next. All right. Um, JJ, you make me want to be a better man. (laughs) (laughs) You make me want to be a better man. (laughs) Uh, And then um, Red Wings related. um, I feel like one way or another, this is going to be a season where management really has to step back and take a look at quote unquote, the Red Wing way um, for better or worse, what, whether that's tweaking it or throwing it out the window or sticking with it. Um, and I feel like that's going to really do some people some good and it, and it might make some heads roll. It might get some people chipped out of town. Um, but I'm, I'm finally starting to feel good about that part of everything that's happening right now. All right. Beautiful. Hope for um, the future. Same here. And just to branch off of you, I am like, I'm scared, but at the same time, I'm really intrigued to see what is going, what they're going to do if this continues to trend the way it's trending. Like, I really am intrigued to see what happens because this really is going to literally define the GM that Ken Holland is and the um, dynasty that he has um, very successfully created. So I'm very interested to see that. Um, and that's all I'll say. Graham, you're up next on Positivity Corner. Uh, I was hoping you would have you were going to say literally like um, Rob Lowe's character in Parks and Rec. We say literally, um, mm. but I don't like Rob so Lowe. Well, it's a really good show, though. It's probably I know, yeah, it's a very good show, but I don't. Like yeah. Rob well, that's fair. Um, uh, Positivity Corner uh, just now figured out that I'm going to get to be able to go to a game for last season at the, at the Joe and see uh, um, I think all of you wonderful people that I'm podcasting with so that's going to be a fun time. Um, time so I'll see JJ and Kyle again and meet Mike for the first time in person so that's really looking forward to that yes, yes um, I think last week I did Jonathan Erickson is my positivity corner defenseman um, this week I am going to go with Ryan Sproul yeah I I am enjoying watching him play. I've been on the Ryan Sproul train for a while. He was one of my bold predictions this year that he was going to get five power play goals, four more to go. Um, <laughs> it was funny. We talked a little bit earlier about the Mantha being taken off the ice um, for the uh, uh, you know at the end for the penalty, and Sproul was on the ice. And if you wanted a guy that would have been super easy to throw in the box. And nobody would have batted an eye. It would have been Sproul. He's a rookie defenseman. He's played like six games in his life. Um, they're about to go on the penalty kill, so you don't want him out there right away. Um, it, it would have been easy, but they didn't. And uh, I think he actually got a shift after as they were trying to tie it. I can't remember. Um, but I feel like the Red Wings, uh, like Blash is giving him some more responsibility not a ton um, I mean he's still very young very raw but um, his power play work I think I think he makes the power play better and I think he has been a good addition and I like the fact that when it, um, Cronwell came back uh, after a little bit Sproul went back 
back in the lineup, and he now seems to have his spot. And I, I'd like to see more of him. So I've been very happy with his play so far. Big fan of that kid. I like him. He's a uh, he's one hell of a player. Um, all right, that was a, success, a successful uh, positivity corner. And as always, uh, our final topic of the evening will be uh, reader questions. And JJ, will you please do us the honors? Here's Johnny. Yes, I will. I'd love to. Uh, not uh, not so many questions in the mailbag today, so pick it up, folks. Come on. Yeah. You're letting us down. Uh, Grandma Florkin, given where this team is right now, they're pretty much not a playoff team, obviously. Uh, do they trade for a stud demon, or is that too little too late, uh, and just roll with missing the playoffs a few years and rebuild organically? What I, do you think, Kyle? I think that they're – what stud defensemen are they going to trade for outside of the Dougie Hamilton – rumors which aren't even actual real like rumors they're just i think just speculation at this point um i think that rebuilding organically is probably the best bet and just inputting youth and going that way um that, that yeah i mean i i don't think if you were to add a defenseman like dougie hamilton um or hell even jacob truba um which I don't know if that's going to happen. But anyways, if, if you were to add that, um, my opinion on the team doesn't change overnight. It gets better. Like, I feel better, but I, it doesn't completely change. So, Oh, mine would. <laughs> I, I, I think my opinion would change, but not as much short-term, more long-term, if they were able to pull off a, a Trouba or a Hamilton or, you know, something like that. I don't I think, like, I would I, mean... If, I don't think I would go, holy shit, they're a playoff team. Look, oh my God, look out, Lee, here. They're finally got, like, they're not one piece away, but um, my concerns over the future would be less. I mean, there's always concerns over it, but that's the one piece that they're missing is that that, that number one pairing defenseman in their system somewhere um, that seems like kind of an obvious choice. So, I don't know. I mean, if, they, if they're still, well, look, I mean, Ken Hall always talks about American Thanksgiving is where you really take stock. And, I mean, just not a whole lot is going to change in the standings between now and Thursday. Uh, they're not going to magically find themselves in a playoff spot on thir- when they wake up Thursday morning. So, um, might be time to take some stock in some of the uh, uh, expiring contracts that you've got. And, uh, you know, can they bring back yep. some, some assets? Practice what you preach. Yeah, Graham, I, I think you really nailed that one right there. I mean, I mean, this team is more than a stud defenseman away from true contention, and at this point, maybe even playoff contention. Because, um, I mean, to your point, you bring in a Dougie Hamilton or a Jacob Truba, and you sit back and you look at the team and say, okay, we've got a 1D. Do we have a true 2D? You have a Do potential we- 1D. Yeah, you have a you don't even have a true one D. You've got a potential one D. That, that's right, Kyle. And do you have a two D? Do you have a potential two D? Do you have a one C who's going to be durable for the next three to five years? Um, do you have a thirty goal winger somewhere somewhere on the team? And and we've got a whole lot of questions on those spots. We don't have anybody who you go say, damn it, yeah. That's our guy for for that need. So, I I think yeah, make the trade if it if it helps, but it's still going to be a at least semi organic rebuild that that could take a couple of years. 
I think we're uh, lost in the weeds in terms of like trading for a stud D-man or rebuild organically, because trading for a stud D-man is part of rebuilding organically. Um, I mean, or I guess it that doesn't necessarily have to be like the concept of all oh, you can, you, you know, you got to draft and develop, and that's the point. But there's never a bad time to trade for a stud D-man. Yeah. Yep. I mean. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what run, what won the Red Wings the the 08 Cup. They were already a really good team, and they traded to get a second pairing D man in. Uh, that like I don't think that I, I still think they, they had a really good chance of winning the Cup without trading for Brad Stewart there. But shit, I'm glad they did. So mm-hmm. at any rate, um, Copper City Wing brought in the Sports Club stats that says that the Red Wings' current playoff chances are twelve point one percent. So uh, mm-hmm. it just says thoughts. Hi. That's bad. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not good, yeah. but it's also high for how they're performing. So I mean, you typically. I mean, I think Columbus and you know teams like that are are, are much higher. So. Um, no, it's, it's, I, I, it's bad, but it's also, it's not surprising at all. Like they have not played to deserve anything better than that. At least it's non-zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least you're, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not even Thanksgiving. At least it's not 0%. Yeah. Uh, or 27 wants to know the pros and cons of sharing with the Pistons. We cover that in depth. Mm-hmm. Happy Pappy 96. Heard the Larkin was center Nyquist and Van Eyck in practice. Thoughts on this. We kind of. Brought this up real early, but I just want to bring it back up because it's something that makes me happy. Um, yeah. I'm happy about it. Yeah, no, yeah. Larkin, I, if, I, and I, I, I've been saying it before, they really do need to season him to start playing center. And I know why they took him off center and, and all that, because they really needed to, like, they were just going for what was working last season. Um, and I think it's great because... You saw Helm flourish in that role. Uh, why the hell can't Larkin do it? Because Larkin is way better than Darren Helm. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, let him center that third line. Give him some. You don't need to give him tough competition, and just let him go out there and just, you know, just light it up. So I think it's sick. Let's do it. Yeah, Blashill gets a gold star for that one. If the Red Wings, if the Red Wings come, if they pull themselves out of the basement, it will be because of that, of that line. I'll say it right now. I agree. Uh, Syme19 wants to know, at the start of the season, it was pretty much a given that Gus and Tots were pretty much our most tradable assets that we'd be willing to give up and get the best return. Um, with their slump and Jimmy's warm streak, has that changed a little? Graham? Um, I think Tatar still probably holds more value. Uh, I, I don't think Howard's, Howard's played very well. And he's the MVP for me early, but um, I think a lot of teams would probably not see him as being some sort of uh, rejuvenated player. I mean, it's a quarter of the season. Um, I, I still think Tatar and Nyquist, of the players that you think would most likely be traded, because I think the most tradable or the most the best assets they have are probably like an Athanasiu or a Mantha. Uh, the question would be, are they going to or Larkin? Uh, the question is, are they you know going to trade him? Um, I, I don't think much has changed. I think Nyquist has actually played pretty well. Um, Tatar's been hit or miss, but um, Tatar's also got uh, uh, a better contract right now. Um, I, I still think if they are going to make a move for a defenseman, which we all hope is going to come, I, I believe that one of those two has to 
be involved. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I just think that the goalie market hasn't gotten any wider, and it's still pretty saturated. Uh, Howard may have moved up a little bit on it, but I don't think that he's like overtaken to the point where it's like he's the key piece in that trade for a defenseman. I do think that he's, he is going to be a top goalie name at the expansion draft, though. He could be. I mean, it's you know he's had hot starts before, though. Um, you know, let's see what his numbers look like in yeah, January, sure. February, yeah. a little bit, and see if it, you know has he really re- reinvented himself, and you know he's kind of back to where he had been a few years ago, or is consistency still his biggest issue? Yeah, and let's not forget that Mark Andre Fleury might also be out there for the expansion draft. Yeah, yeah, but he sucks. Fuck that guy. Well, yeah, but I mean, people would have said the same about Jimmy Howard last season. Eh, no, they're wrong. Howard rules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the Wim podcast, not the Mark Andrew Fleury podcast. Yeah. Okay. Dan Borsma has a bunch of questions. Okay. So, uh, best reality avoidance strategy for watching the Wings this season: uh, Jim Beam or throwing laundry at the TV. <laughs> I like throwing laundry at the TV. That's real good. <laughs> But yeah, both is is drink the drink the Jim Beam through the laundry and then throw it at the TV <laughs> through the laundry, <laughs> let it soak in your face. Yeah, just like pour it all over your underwear, like uh, <laughs> ideally your clean underwear, and then just clean. like just wring it out into your mouth. And then you don't have to watch the game. So and please film it. yourself doing that because it'll make me feel better too. Uh, <laughs> How hard is it, slash, does it happen much for a team to trade up from, say, the 12th spot in the draft to the top three? Uh, how much would you give up to do that if it was the only reasonable route to a franchise defenseman a la Liljegren? Well, uh, I'll go ahead and answer this right now. This is such a slippery slope because I am one of the few people who believe that um, predicting defensemen uh, in this league is damn near impossible. Um, you don't know what you're going to get with these top picks. Um, you could get a complete stud, uh, like an Aaron Eckblad, um, or you could get a complete project player. Um, you know, I mean, it it is what it is. Um, and the thing is, is that with top three picks or top five picks or even top 10 picks, you are paying up the ass because you don't control the value there. That is a... Like that is like they the seller is like you know the team that is selling that pick they control everything and they will um, they can say yeah well we want your first round pick this year next year um, we want your top prospect and then we want one of your better NHL players that's just what we want um, because why would they give that up to you so you know they can do that and uh, I personally think that if you are 14th overall. And you are trying to trade up to um, like number three or number two, uh, unless you're getting Connor McDavid. Uh, nah, that's like the giving up the entire rest of your draft for that move up. Pretty much, yeah. It's you remember it's, in the yeah. Datsuk trade, Arizona moved up, and they actually gave up quite a bit. And they could give it up, but they took on a lot of dead cap space yeah. and also gave up an extra pick Yep, just to make that happen. Right. So, I mean, it, it, draft trades are expensive. 
to move up in the draft is expensive. It doesn't matter. Like it really is. I mean, look at look at history. I mean, look at what we traded for Dominic Turgeon. So I mean, just you know, for Dominic Turgeon. Like you know, just think about that. Um, it, it's just it's it it really is a very slippery slope. And unless and unless you're getting a player like Connor McDavid, um, I say yeah, you should probably just pass on it. And especially this year, the draft pool this year is. Liljegren is not a guy I'm trading uh, multiple assets for. Yeah, if you're trading multiple assets, Liljegren better be the second coming of Nick Lidstrom. And I don't think anybody's projecting him to be that. Because if you're trading up 10 spots to get somebody, and like the top 10 spots to get somebody, you're breaking your team. That That's just the way it works. So, who leads the Wings in points and goals this season, Mike? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic with my charity foundation uh, pledge, and I'm going to say Vanek. That's great, because then he can uh, be traded. In both? Points and goals? All right. Yeah. Graham, who you got? Uh, I'm sticking with Nielsen. He's going to turn it on. All right. Kyle? Anthony, Big Tony with the spicy meatball Manta. You're so proud of that Big Tony thing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be different people. I think Vanek leads in goals and Larkin leads in points. Uh, because like you were saying, the rejuvenated third line that gets us into the playoffs mm-hmm. featuring those two. And then the final question from Dan Borsma. Is it me or does salad taste just like the ground? Or just taste like the ground? <laughs> <laughs> I think you gotta eat better salad. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Stop yeah, eating yeah. grass, please. Wash <laughs> the lettuce first. Yeah. yeah. If the lettuce is like yellow, just put it in the garbage. Uh, if the lettuce has dirt on it, run it through the tap, please. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. taste like the ground. And use I, a plate. I, you probably. <laughs> 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 I mean, that question's going to fuck with me the whole week now. <laughs> Dude, you're going to be at Thanksgiving dinner. They'll be like, would you like some lettuce? And you're just going to like piss your pants at the table. Uh, no. If my family tried to serve me lettuce at Thanksgiving, I'd throw a fit. No, I don't want lettuce. I want gravy and fat and stuff. How dare you disrespect me by offering this ground food at me. <laughs> <laughs> this ground food I love it uh, MD Road 12 what player should we vote for this year for the All-Star game I did say Steve Ott I mean it I will, yeah, I'll double Ott. down on that um, I'll go Steve Ott yeah for sure yeah hashtag grit, grit. Uh, Drew but Miller is another good option but I don't think that Drew Miller has the he doesn't have the charisma to win yeah, because nobody knows who Drew Miller is, and no one cares. like we could sell it like he's a super old man, and this might be his last chance to play hockey. And like the rest of the league is like, oh yeah, they see his picture, like oh uh, that guy's been through some shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, Steve Ott's got that whole story behind him too. Like, oh, I grew up in Windsor watching the Wings, and this is my dream. Yeah. So Miller, Miller just doesn't have that. I yeah. I, he's not a feel-good story. He is never, ever, ever going to be a feel-good story. No, not oh, he unless is. he There's beats some horrible hard. disease or something. It's just He's not a good person, and I know it. <laughs> so, whatever. 
Super City Wing with a, a happy question. Is Dylan going to be good enough? Can he develop into a true number one center? Uh, fun fact, I asked Jim Bedard this question at hockey camp this past summer uh, after he left the team. His reply was, the kid really loves the game. It's a non-answer. Not a surprise he was being political, but a touch disconcerting. I don't know why he's a goalie coach. Who cares? Uh, observation, don't think he has ever been a number one C on any age-appropriate team. So there we go. Is Dylan Larkin ever going to be able to actually grow into the one C role? I think that he is at best like a Jonathan Taves type center. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and argue that Jonathan Taves is no longer a number one center. And I don't know. I think maybe he was for like a year. Um, so, no, I think that Larkin is your perfect second line center. Um, and you don't need him to be a first line center. So that's me. Sure. Graham? Yeah, I I think um, I mean if if you're looking at Jonathan Taves as as your comparable and Jonathan Taves in his prime, I mean was a one center. Um, I, I'd be happy with you know seventy points and uh, good defensive responsibility or point per game game player, and he's just okay at his own end. Yeah, right on, Mike. Um, I think the potential's there, but I, I mean. We're not going to know this for a good couple of years still. I mean, it's the kid's second year in the league. Yeah. Um, like I said, with the whole JT Miller thing, you know, that guy's having a hot start. Uh, and it's his, I think, third year with the Rangers and seventh year of pro hockey or fourth or I, I don't know. He, he's got some years under his belt still. Um, but Larkin, like, like making the call right now is is kind of like buying a brand new car taking it around the block on the first test drive and wondering if it's going to break down at 60 or 70,000 miles. You know, it's, you're predicting something in the future that has so many factors that's going to go into it. So, I mean, can he develop into a a true number one C? Yeah, it's totally possible. We've seen flashes of that. Um, But will he? Uh, I don't know. He certainly looks more like a Mercedes than a Daewoo, if we're asking if he's going to break down at 60K. Yeah. Uh, next up isn't actually a question. Peter Wim wanted to, since he's not actually, uh, since he's not on the podcast this week, he misses us. He wants to share something for Positivity Corner. There is a really great video link. Uh, go ahead and visit the Wim Radio mailbag. And as of right now, it is the only green comment. So look at that. I think it's awesome. Uh, Nikki Cupcake asks, do you think the Red Wings offense will ever be as explosive as a tube of Pillsbury biscuits this season? This season? No. I think, well... No? I think if we have, it it has already happened, right? How many biscuits Uh, come in a tube? Twelve? Ten? Yeah, no. Eight? That's still too many. Yeah, so no, they're not going to score 12 or 10 goals. They're we'll not never get it two biscuits. <laughs> Can you think of just opening up a, a tube of biscuits and just two biscuits in it? I'd be so fucking mad. I'd be, oh, God. I'd, I'd, tweet, that, I'd tweet at Pillsbury. I'd say an F word. It'd be real. Those better be big fucking biscuits. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, that's funnier than I should. It's just really funny to me. Whatever. I love complaining to companies on Twitter. I just think it's hilarious. So yeah, being unnecessarily complaining mean. to a <laughs> yeah. 
complain to the Red Wings, man. No, on see, Twitter. that's different because <laughs> it's just, I've, yeah. <laughs> no comment. Lark on the next one has three questions that you uh, numbered for us, so thank you. Uh, what are the odds of seeing Matt Laredo get a shot with the Wings if they continue to tank and he continues to excel in Grand Rapids? I don't think you're going to see it happen. I think they six point nine percent. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Four point two percent. If we do actually continue to tank, I'd argue that there's actually a fairly decent shot, but only if we continue to tank. Because if we continue to tank, that implies that at some point we're we're going to start selling before the trade deadline. I think that if Matt Laredo is on this team, then basically everybody came down with like this nasty, like stomach flu. Yeah, I think it requires commitment to tank and injury. Yeah. Question two: How bad was Vilisari Arby's injury that has kept him sidelined until this week? I think the answer I mean, is pretty bad, huh? It was pretty bad, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. he wasn't coming into an AHL his first AHL year because now he doesn't need to be a disappointment. Very, very disappointing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For anybody who follows no, Grand Rapids, who else is going to be able to step up and help our club next season? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that it has to be Robbie Russo. Yeah, I think that's that's he's yeah. waiver, he's waiver eligible after this year. So, yeah, best answer. Yep. Uh, Larkin forever. Seconded. Too early to call for Blashill's head? Yes. Give it, like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, I don't know. Like, I I understand wanting to do it. I get it. I honestly do. But I am not ready to throw in the towel on this guy. Because while he will make a dumb mistake here or make weird lineup changes or whatever he still every now and then drops this low-key like smart comment about something that gives me a lot of hope for him um and honestly i hate living in the world of we need to fire the coach we need to fire the coach we need to fire the coach because i do it with the tigers i do it with the lions i don't want to do it anymore because i mean maybe you people can do that maybe you can live in this world where you just complain about everything and you hate everything um and you know yeah i mean it it, yeah i mean it's easy i just don't want to do it like i'm my mental capacity can't take it i don't want to do that so i do it enough with the lions and the tigers um I like Jeff Lashell. I think he's a good dude, and I like the way that he's worked his way up to this. So, you know what? I'm going to give him to the end of his contract. Whatever. All right. Screw right, you, Ken Holland. Give us a better team. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of on the same page. I mean, I think the roster assembly is is Holland, mostly. Um, I think Blashill had some say in it, or he should have, because, um, you know, he wasn't a first-year coach anymore. I mean, he's, he'd been around a whole season so um i i'm ambivalent in in the sense that i see some some negative things like the you know using mantha to serve the penalty and um you know just kind of still there's just the continued use of the omg line um but i i see things that i'm just i'm hoping are going to give me a reason to be optimistic like the omg line all playing less than 10 minutes in the last game against calgary and 
you know, Mantha playing more, Athanasiu playing more. I'm I am hopeful that this is Blashill's way of just understanding that he's got some good pieces on this roster and he's giving them an opportunity to develop and get better because it it's going to help the long-term growth of the franchise. Yeah, right on. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. It's it, it's not the time to tell tell Blashill to pack his bags and head out of town. Just because I, I got the feeling like this offseason was he finally got input with the roster and he walks out of that meeting with Kenny all excited and he's he's calling um, Big Tony and Anthony CU and Ryan Sproul and telling them all that they've got automatic roster spots. And then we go and we drop, you know, Steve Ott and, and the helm resigning and all that kind of stuff. And he's just like, fuck. Now he's got to work with that shit. So, I mean... He's kind of, um, Kyle, Kyle, to your point, where, where you're living in the world of, you know, fire the coach with uh, uh, the Lions and the Tigers and everything. For anybody who follows the Tigers, he, he's kind of Brad Osmussing his way through things right now. It's his first big league gig. He's inherited a outdated roster that used to be incredibly impressive, and he's got big expectations placed there. He's going to screw up a couple of times. It's going to bite him in the ass, but he's showing improvement and, and he's showing that he knows what he's doing with some of the younger guys for, for the most part, aside from, you know, putting Mantha in the box. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd give him to the end of his contract at least. And, and even then, if he still hasn't managed to turn the roster around, I'm still not sure I get rid of him. He does have a, uh, a four-year contract, and Ken Holland has a contract that ends before his. So, I think that's by design. By the way, I think most of what uh, Graham and Mike just essentially said is that no, but it's probably time to fire uh, Ken Holland. Um, I'll take the uh, the contrarian view and say no, it is not too early to call for Blashill's head, uh, but only because. Uh, we fans call for lots of things that don't ever happen, and I don't want to tell you if, if you want Blashell fired, go ahead and call for it. Put put pressure all over the organization. They should know that the fans are unhappy with things. So if you think it's on Blashell, I'm not going to stop you. Jimmy Hoffa's Ghost, uh, Women Winged Wheel. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, and I also listen to the Winged Wheel podcast. I enjoy both, and I wonder if there's any inter- ever any, any interaction between the two. Never heard either of you mention the other. It would be fun sometimes to hear a joint podcast with the host of Women Win Wheel. Any possibility of that? Uh, I've got to tell you, honestly, I've never listened to the Wing Wheel podcast. Nothing against them. It's just I just generally don't listen to other hockey podcasts because we're the best. Yeah, I usually don't listen to other hockey podcasts either. Uh, actually, I don't really listen to podcasts altogether, which is bad. I probably should, but um, I'm sure they're cool people. Um I wouldn't be uh, opposed to it. I'm actually going to try and figure something out with the uh, Detroit Bad Boys uh, blog, which is the Pistons blog for SB Nation, um, since we're all going to be uh, sharing bunk beds soon. so Yeah. I'll say this. Maybe I've... we can... <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, maybe we can have, have the uh, winged wheel guys over for some ground salad and hash out some uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> podcast ideas. Yeah, like I've... I've uh, you know talked to a few of them, or I've like read a few of their comments. Um, 
I think that the folks who do the Wing Wheel podcast are, are good folks. Uh, I think the concept that is housed mostly at Reddit works against them for me because I think Reddit's a cesspool. Um, so Reddit feels the same way about us mostly, though. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to blog war with Reddit. I don't care, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, let's see, Shannon Van Vanek has been a high producer for the Red Wings this year, and now that he's back his, from his injury. I've seen a few people on Wim talk about using him as a trade piece to fill the need for defense. What's the best path to success for the Wings with regard to Vanek? Keeping him or shopping him or shopping around for a trade partner? He is not going to I, yield you a defenseman, like a like a, a like a, an impact defenseman. He's going to yield you no. futures, which is draft yeah. picks or a prospect. Yeah, I, I think if somebody comes, I, I think the Red Wings with Vanek should always be open to trading him at any given moment if they get an offer. Uh, I think the best opportunity they're probably going to have is going to be at the trade deadline. Because I think mm-hmm. that's where prices are going to go up. He's on a, an extremely good deal um, based on what his early production is. Mm-hmm. If he maintains close to that level, he could you could easily swap him over to a, a contending team, team that needs some offensive help. I'm thinking... Um, I, I almost wonder if a team like Chicago could use him as they get a little bit closer towards the end of the year. Yeah, of course they could. And they can yeah. maybe bank some, bank some cap space. Um, I mean, the West is, it's pretty yeah. open. If, um, it meant, if it meant soaking up like the biggest amount of cap hit possible to get like a first round pick or even like a high second, sure, do it, whatever. Yeah, but I could absolutely see you getting a, you know, a, a higher pick, maybe not a first, but maybe a second for him. Flip them at the deadline, use them as an asset. Yeah, you're or, not going to solve any problems with him, uh, but I think that you have to work from the assumption that you are not going to re-sign Vanek next year, that you're not going to be able to. Like, he signed the show-me contract to prove that he could that he could do it, and the Red Wings are still in cap hell. They're not looking like really getting any, any easier in terms of cap spending next year. Um, so, yeah, you might as well get what best value i think best case scenario is that maybe you can and i can't even think of a specific prospect now but like chicago traded away stephen johns who i thought was a really like i thought he was fully nhl ready when he was uh when he was traded and he's doing pretty decently like you're gonna get a mid-level prospect you're not gonna get a home run guy uh you're gonna get a guy who's gonna come in with as many questions as uh Robbie Russo or Xavier Ouellette or, or Ryan Sproul had this year. So, uh, but it's better than missing the playoffs and letting Vanek walk and getting nothing for him. Yeah, I mean, indeed, I, I think there's absolutely no scenario where Vanek is on this team next year. To be perfectly honest, because JJ, like you were saying, with the contract he signed um, and, and our cap situation. If he continues on the path he's on, he's going to demand a hefty price tag. And if he doesn't continue on the path that he's on with the forwards we've got down in Grand Rapids, do we really want to waste cap space on somebody who puts up you know, 20 points in 20 games and then nothing the rest of the season, assuming he falls off? So, yeah, shop the hell out of him. Partner him up with a, a, a second-round pick to grab somebody's first. Do something. Just make sure you do it either at the deadline 
if uh, um, if, if you're not going to make the playoffs or if you think you are making the playoffs, um, make sure you do it as soon as the, the Stanley Cup winner is decided. But I don't think he's here next year. I, I hope he's not here next year. He shouldn't be. No. No, there, there's no reason. Not for where this team is. No, he's he's an unnecessary piece next year. All right, we finish it off on a Bill H. question. And I like Bill H.'s questions because they always are couched in, like, here's a huge observation, and I want you to talk about how right I am. That's what they always <laughs> seem like. But it, it's because the they're agreeable to. Uh, when I look at other teams who score, I notice their players get into the high danger scoring areas, and the puck handlers get them the puck. Three things seem to be very the three things seem to be very very important. Everyone has to be able to pass quickly and efficiently. Everyone has to recognize the passing lanes between each other and adjust to keep them open. And finally, shooters have to shoot quickly. The Red Wings don't seem to recognize when the lanes open, can't get to the danger zones, nor are able to shoot quickly. Can this be fixed by the coaching staff? Are the players not able to see where they have to go? What is going on with the shooter when he doesn't shoot quickly, but when he does shoot, it ends up going into the goalie's chest or into the opposing player's body? Um, this is one hell of a question. Um, I think that it's got to be both. Um, but, it, I mean, realistically, when you look at the players that you're, you're talking about, um, the first one that comes to mind for me is... Hi, you're Henrik Zetterberg or you're Nicholas Cronwell, those veteran-like players. Uh, Mike Green is one of them. He sometimes takes a long time to pass the freaking puck or shoot it. Um, I don't know. Like it, it, It's a great point. You really do need to move the puck quickly and get it on net quickly in order to create those high-danger chances um, because you get everybody disembobulated and then you just, you know, you have a, a better chance at scoring. Um so I would say that it's both. Um, I think that the way that Zetterberg and uh, Cronwall and even Green at times play, they play a little slow um, with the puck. Uh, it seems like they wait too much, wait for the space to open as opposed to move quickly to open the space. So that's my personal take on that. Yeah, as my- far as getting fixed by the coaching staff, I mean, there's got to be some kind of drill they can run to at least simulate game time decisions. Um, but but I'm not sure simulating gets you there on this one. You know, just because just it's, it's so different being out there under the lights with 20,000 screaming fans and, you know, Milan Lucic trying to kill your future kids um, versus, you know, you're in practice and they've got, you know, a, a boom box over... Uh, on the bench with Jeff Blaschel holding it up like say anything. And, you know, Nicholas Cronwall coming at you like, I don't want to hurt you there, buddy. So, yeah, they, they can work on, on the passing stuff, but at a certain point, it, it's just these guys got to learn in the game, and it might just be they don't have players that can pass like we've been used to. And I think we touched on this even even last week, uh, uh, Kyle and Graham. Um, with just, they don't make crisp passes anywhere. And we're so used to seeing it from uh, the Lidstrom era. Um, and, and I don't know, they, they got to find somebody who's able to do the basics and can then carry into the fancy scoring stuff. Um, and it doesn't seem like they've done a whole lot of that lately. So I think they, I think they need better players at that. 
Yeah, I mean, my my daughter um, plays soccer, and one thing that they they preach in practice is one touch. So basically, you get the ball and you immediately pass it or shoot it. You like it's it's almost it's something that they work on constantly in practice. Uh, whether they're playing outdoor and indoor. And, and the coaches always yell, one touch. So they get the ball, they do something with it. They get the ball, they do something with it. Trying to essentially drill into them that you can't hold on to the ball for too long because that gives the other, that gives your opponent an opportunity to defend against you. Um, um, I would say that maybe you can do that. It's a little bit different, obviously, talking about nine-year-old girls playing soccer versus professional hockey players. But, um, I mean, I, I kind of see I, I see Kyle's point. You have guys that, that just, they hold on to the puck too long. And they're doing that because they're trying to set up a scoring chance. Um, but I, I think it, it ultimately goes back to decision-making and how quick can you make a decision as to what you want to do with it. Do you want to shoot it? Do you want to pass it? And then once you've made that decision, can you execute it quickly enough? Um, I don't think it's necessarily a case of needing it to be a pass or a shot because that's dependent on the, the very specific situation you're in. Um, it's can you figure out what you want to do? Can you do it? And, and is it going to be the right decision most of the time? Because every once in a while, they'll make a wrong decision. I think that can be taught. I think that can be taught from a system perspective. Yeah, I'll I'll add in. Uh, Bill nailed it exactly. It's basically uh, the biggest problem is that, and that you guys have all mentioned this too. They just do things too slow. There's just too much delay between uh, them getting the puck and them doing what they're supposed to be doing with the puck. Uh, Mickey Redmond used to harp on this a lot more often, but he hasn't. He hasn't done that so much, but it's like essentially by the time the puck gets to you, you need to know whether or not you're going to shoot it. And there was the one play against Calgary, which was painfully obvious. It was a brilliant cross-ice pass to Henrik Zetterberg uh, flying in on his off wing. So he had the entire net to shoot at, and he had the puck and the stick on the right side of his body. And he took a split second to control it instead of snapping it off. Now it maybe wasn't, maybe the pass wasn't perfect enough, but the Red Wings need to be willing to put an imperfect shot opportunity on net. Uh, and it doesn't seem like they are like the, the one goal that Tatar scored was just like, I well, was going to throw it, throw it at the net. It went in. And then Zetterberg later in the same game is trying to pick a corner and make a beauty shot. Um, I remember quite a few goals against us are like, wow, that was not a good shot, but you get the goalie moving and you just, you need to be ready to put it in on the goal, crash, take shots quickly, make the puck move faster than the opposition. Just stop thinking so much. And I don't, I think that it's, it is something that kind of has to be coached out and also worked out uh, because it's not something that's necessarily like it. The Red Wings aren't as good of a hockey team as they used to be, so of course they do less of the the circus magic that they than they used to. But um, 
you know, you talk about, you hear about players gripping their sticks too hard, and that's exactly what this observation is, is they're, they're trying too hard not to fuck up, and that's causing those mistakes. So, I don't know, I've been wondering lately if they're not practicing at enough pace, because it does seem like that's a case of, I receive the pass, I look for my options, I make the pass. <clears throat> it's either they're not used to making it at top speed as much as they ought to be, or they're being overcoached and they're overthinking all of their options, thinking, how do I do this and also make sure that I will be able to get back in defensive position if this shot fails? So, I don't know. I guess I'd need to uh, to see more of their practices to, to tell you whether or not it can be coached out. Right. Um, just get the puck on that. Shoot it on that. Do what Anthony Manta did on his goal against Calgary. Just just shoot it at shoot it at the net. Um, so for for Graham, for JJ, for Mike, for myself, your host Kyle. Um, this has been another successful episode of Wing It Motown Radio. Guys, do you have any more hockey related thoughts? This town needs an enema. Um. No. Yes, gobble, 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 everybody. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and have a wonderful day. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight?